Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. the official radio show of the Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario, broadcasting to you live on 94.9 FM. I am your host, Joseph Donahue. Beside me, the uh, lesser-known Viking, Eric the Green. How's it going, everybody? And behind the board, as usual, we got Tristan Johnson. How you doing, bud? Howdy, howdy. Good. Okay, uh, today we got a, a friend of mine coming in from the Department of Chemical Engineering. We have Mr. Ben Lee. How you doing, my friend? Good. Good. Okay. So uh, we got you on here to talk a little bit about your research. So uh, why don't you tell the folks here uh, what, what exactly you're doing here at the university? Uh, I'm studying about like uh, many fluidization. My topic is like effect of uh, fluidization velocity on jet bat interactions. So like uh, the, the project is from like uh, fluid coking. Like uh, what we do to refine heavy oils. Okay, so why don't you walk us through here on how we actually get uh, the petroleum from the ground into something usable for our cars and things like this? Uh, I'm not familiar with like how we recover the oil from the ground, but like as to refining, I know like uh, how do we like uh, make petroleum into gasoline or diesel? Like in refineries, the first step is always like uh, distillation. That's not like it's without chemical reaction. So it's like uh, we divide uh, the petroleum, the crude oil, into different like um, classifications through uh, so the boiling point into gasoline, diesel, and heavy oil. Like uh, for heavy oil, we use like um, catalyst cracking or like coking craft to deal with that. Okay, so coking is basically to try and get some of this hydrogen off of that carbon, to take those big, heavy chunks of oil and essentially get it into those smaller pieces that you need to be going in through the rest of your process. So the coking process is kind of a major part of this because a lot of these oils that are coming out are very heavy. Mm -hmm. So what is the typical uh, kind of coking mechanism that we have going on, the coking technology that we're using right now? Uh Mainly, there are two like kinds of craft about coking. One is uh, called delayed coking. The other one is uh, fluidized coking. So it's like the first one is like, um, uh, which I've been studying for two years in China. Um, it's uh, it's using like um, cracking at high temperature and no catalyst. So the there are two processes that goes uh, on in the bat. Like the first one is uh, cracking, which means like the the complicated, the long chains of like the, in the oil, in the heavy oil, will uh, break into like smaller chains and we'll get like um, C1 to C4, which is gas, and like gasoline, diesel, and like at the same time we'll get like coke because like uh, there are too many carbons in the residue oil, so we have to get the coke out to balance the hydrogen to carbon ratio. Why is it important to do that? Because, like, uh, the lighter oils, like gasoline and gas, they have higher, like, uh, hydrogen to carbon oil uh, ratio. So if we want to get that, we have to get the carbon out. Okay. So that's uh, delayed coking, right? Yeah, delayed coking. Okay. So what's the difference between delayed coking and what you're working on this fluidized coking? Yeah. Uh, For delayed coking, there's a problem because, like, the oil goes through, like, uh, a long string of pipe and, like, um, after months of running, there would be coke um, sticking into the the walls of the pipes. So you have to clean it, right? But in fluidized bath, there is uh, coke in there, 
and you keep it running and uh, uh, you have you can clean like in the meantime all the cokes and you burn the cokes to provide uh, heat into the reactor so that's what makes it like better hmm. if I can just <clears throat> jump in here and just ask a clarifying question so the whole process of coking is to separate heavy oil into its smaller strains diesel uh, petroleum stuff like that am i correct in saying that yep good okay yep good you're following along all That's right good good, That's good. good. <laughs> i'm learning so my, my question is you're saying that the, the byproduct of this process is coke and you have to get that out now when i hear coke i'm thinking coca-cola so right, if good. somebody could just maybe clarify for me what this actually is i about. thought that was the process of coca-cola no it's a new type of reaction shut down this is our show like Coke, you can like, you've seen coal, right? It's similar to that, something like that. You can use it to uh, deal with like uh, aluminum, iron, or something like that. Yeah, because Coke is basically carbon. Like it's actually the leftover carbon that's kind of like condensed down into like this kind of very much looking like coal, which is essentially carbon, right? So uh, really what you do with that Coke is you can use it, as he was saying, in some type of... Uh, generators that's actually providing the heat to that reactor because you know you've got a lot of waste heat we need a lot of heat that's coming into that system so you can take that product out and actually use it to actually heat the system oh so it's almost like a, a very useful byproduct of the process itself kind of kind of because cool. it's also hazardous to the operation so in fluidized coking i imagine that what you're actually trying to do is trying to minimize the amount of coke being formed is that correct yeah okay so how is the fluidized bed like i use a fluidized bed but i'm using it to treat water so this is Polar opposites, literally. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm interested. Oil and water. Oh, ah. they're not mixing. Um, drum set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess my question is really like, how are you using the fluidized bed? Like, uh, is it a liquid fluidized bed or is it a gas solid fluidized bed? How is the liquid being uh, changed into these byproducts? Uh, like industry mm -hmm. for the. Uh, fluid cokers, there'll be steam in there, which like is like uh, gas, mm -hmm. the gas phase, and the feedstock, that's the residue oil, which is liquid, and there's coke, the solids, okay. so it's like three phases. Oh, that's there. a hard one. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, three phase is very difficult to model and even to deal with uh, in any kind of analysis, so that, that's very difficult. So on your particles inside the, the bed, your solid phase, is that strictly your coke, or is that going to be uh, things like a catalyst to help you kind of reduce the temperature? Uh, that's the coke. Okay. There's no catalyst no in catalyst the reactor. No catalyst at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're working right now at uh, ICFAR? Yeah. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about what ICFAR is and uh, what you're doing there? Yeah, ICFAR is an uh, institute uh, for chemicals and fuels from alternative resources. Like, my supervisors, they are, like, devoted to uh, resolving the problems um, about upgrading the heavy oil, like fluid coking, and use uh, biodiesels to make like new energy for us okay yeah if i uh, i'd be remiss i think that a lot of people out there listening would be disappointed if i didn't bring up uh, a little bit of question so as like we try to transition off of oh, a carbon-based economy <laughs> uh, these technologies you're developing is there any way we could like uh, use them to develop something like uh, i don't i don't know something that either captures carbon or is carbon neutral or something like that uh Maybe I maybe I, I'm stepped out of bounds. No, no, no. I think that's a fair question. Uh, okay, so I guess another uh, point though would be like these heavy oils. Could they be produced from 
biofuels? Could you use like a biofuel heavy oil in this fluid coker? Uh, if we like want to make something from the biodiesel, mm -hmm. like uh, or biomass, mm -hmm. we wouldn't like want to make uh, heavy oil because right. that's making it more like complex. Okay, right. So we want to like make it into gasoline or something okay. directly. Okay. So then another part of that then would be is the carbon that you're capturing as this coke mm -hmm. is that actually making it reduction in the CO2 emissions of the plant? Mm, that I don't know, but like. I know in Canada, mm -hmm. for the coke, they just uh, bury it underground. Okay. So that's carbon capture, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. He's, he's okay with it. This <laughs> is good news. I, don't, I think that was sarcasm. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask you a quick question, more on a personal level. Mm -hmm. When you heard about the ICFAR, you were studying at the China University of Petroleum, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what was it about ICFAR that made you want to actually leave your studies there and come to Canada? Because, uh, like, I've... Um, I've been a program, uh, master's program in China, uh, mainly uh, studying about the delayed coking. But like, since delayed coking is like not so good as uh, fluid coking, you know, I want to learn something more that is like, I can, is more pro promising in the future, right? But like in China, there's no fluid cokers. Because like, I don't know, because the patent belongs to ExxonMobil, hmm. the American company. Hmm. So it's too expensive for the Chinese companies to buy them. So I came here to study more. So are, is, is fluid coking more of a, well, I'm going to assume that it's a more modern idea than than the, what was the first one called? I'm sorry. Delayed coking. Than delayed coking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where can you take it, do you think, like where can it go in the future to make the process even better? Mm, that is a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> it's what He's I do. He's a hard-hitting journalist. It's what I do. <laughs> I don't, there are many like, because like this craft is already very mature now. So we're doing kind of like uh, things to make it a little bit more better. Because like in industry, like 1% more like gasoline will make a huge difference, right? So like, yeah, it's not like you can jump like in 10%, right? Uh, for what I'm doing now, I was uh, going to uh, investigate about the velocity in the bed. So like um, if we put like more steam, for example, that's a uh, gas phase in, mm -hmm. uh, in a fluidized bed. If we put uh, more steam at the, uh, in a certain time, so the velocity will be higher, and the like the hydrodynamics will be interfered in a bat. So like we'll see what's the difference after that. Okay, and what what, what would that translate into into the process? Having that piece of knowledge, how would that help somebody operate these fluid cokers better? Mm. Sorry, can you explain that? Yeah, so basically now that we know that we're looking at this coke and it's coming through and we're trying to understand the hydrodynamics going on, and we're looking at the velocity of the solid phase with the gas phase moving through, mm -hmm. what would that help an operator who's using one of these fluid cokers? How would it help them to either reduce uh, the amount of coke being formed or even to increase the production of the gasoline? Oh, uh, that has something to do with the agglomerates. Okay. It's like, uh, because like the... Feedstock, the residue oil is uh, injected into the bat through a nozzle. So if the uh, bat velocity is higher when we inject the residue oil into the bat, uh, there will be less, there could be, that's what, what I want to see in the future, mm -hmm. there could be like less agglomerates. You know, like if we have more agglomerates in the bat, we get more coke. 
So if we have less, so that's much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Okay, excellent. So what's something that you've learned throughout your research so far? Now, you've only been here for a year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Just about, not even. Eight, eight months. Eight months? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's something that uh, you didn't know about uh, fluid coking that you've now learned through, through your research? Uh, before coming here, like, I know nothing about fluidization. So, but like, here, I, w- I would say generally, I've learned, like, so much about it's not just about fluidization it's about like how to do research mm. uh the first thing is like to use the tools as you have said like half of the engineering is about using choosing the right tools right so i've learned a lot and uh through some of my friends at postdocs in my lab through my supervisors they have like uh thrown a lot of ideas to me and i have to absorb them like gradually you mm. know? and uh, the other thing is that i have to when I run my experiments, I have to make sure it's uh, close. It cannot be like the same as the uh, practical conditions in industry, mm-hmm. but I have to make it close so that they can use my results, right? That makes that really makes sense. Hmm. So you're working more towards not just specifically research, but more industrial types of research. Yeah, my my projects uh, are funded by Syncru, okay. oil company in Canada. So okay. I have to like create something meaningful for them. Right? Oh, that's it. that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about the transition from coming from China to, to Canada. What's your experience been like? Uh, that's a lot to say. Oh, okay. And yeah, I've, I've read some many articles about that, even like uh, about the, the Chakma thing that is going on, right? You know, the society is totally different. In China, it's like authoritarian, I would say. Like, let's not talk about politics so much, but... In democratic society, I can see that people are more confident hmm. and less worried, you know, and uh, they have more freedom. They can do whatever, like, not whatever, but, like, much more, you know, what they want to do, what they like to achieve in their life. So it's like, you know, it's changing me. My father can see that from my face. He, like, he always, he told me last week that... Uh, just from your face, your smile, I can see that you have changed a lot. Like in China, the pictures I've compared the China, the uh, the last day in China in Shanghai, I took the picture with my father. I've, I've uh, compared the picture, uh, and uh, what I seem like now, it's so much different. You know, I was depressed in China because like some cultural things. You know, it's a great transition. Hmm. So, as an engineer, you're working with different tools and different like. Um, inventions and trying to put stuff together and build something to improve things that's like that's like the most basic idea of engineering but um you kind of mentioned though that one of the reasons you came over to canada was to study these like liquid coking mechanisms because they're copyrighted or they're trademarked and i'm kind of interested that um how do you guys as engineers since there's two of you Hmm. on the mic here uh (laughs) try to be creative and make innovations when you have to work around uh, trademarked or um, copyrighted inventions. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll just go for myself personally. Like, you know, we work a lot in teams. So, you know, we have a lot of different experts in a lot of different fields. And it's really when you look at each person's perspective on the team, uh, you know, you can usually come up with interesting ways not necessarily around, but somehow to incorporate that inside your design. So 
I think that that's the more important thing. Really, it's the teamwork. You know, we, we're not just one engineer. It's engineers. Like, we're, we're always working in a team of four-plus people. So it, it's really to pull from that collective group knowledge and try and uh, produce something different. I don't know. Is it the same at ICFAR? You've got a lot of people working there. You've got many different types of reactors going on there. Yeah, we got, like, all fluid dyes to bat. Um, what I want to uh, say here is, like... Mm, of course, we get like uh, trademarks or patency like that, but to work uh, to work on the in, uh, projects, to work on the projects from um, industry industrial companies, you can keep up with the front line. You know, I've met with uh, six guys, three guys from Syncrude and uh, three guys from ExxonMobil last year. I've learned a lot because what they showed me is like, you know, it's really important thing because they have the patent, right? So they have to like develop. They cannot do just a uh, you know rubbish, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's their own project. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just gonna jump in a second. Uh, just to kind of go back to my bread and butter, the humanitarian side of this. Uh, you're saying that since you've been here, you know, as a person, you're you're happier and and you're in a better place. I'm curious as to how that's impacted your research. Do you find that you're making you know bigger strides here because of the way that your personal life has improved? Yeah, of course. Like that really matters, because like uh, for the master's program, I didn't finish that because it takes three years. I only spent two years, and when I got the offer to come to Weston, I just uh, quit there, kind of like fired my former supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> so serious, like it's it's really like that, because like uh, the living conditions, like for here, like there's less, much less um, personal conflicts. It's uh, that depends on the culture, I think. So, like, if your life is easier, you can focus more on research, right? Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, and just as a flip side to that same question, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot here, because I know that you have been to China to mm. do research and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to know what your impressions of it were while you were there. Hmm. Well, Without, I think... you know, starting. Yeah, anything. well, I think the hard part for me was I couldn't speak the language. Like, uh, you know, I could say basically two things that I started off with, with ni hao, which is hello, and shi shi. Thank you. And you can get by a lot of conversations with just doing that. Like, that, it's it's almost every interaction. You know, you buy something, anyhow, and shish. Like, I, I couldn't even tell you what how much dollars things were. I, I couldn't know any of that. But uh, so on that side of it, it was a little bit more awkward for me. But in terms of the research, I found the teams that I was working with in China were very, very interested in just learning a little bit about me and learning a little bit about what I had to say. Because I can say that the Chinese, like the, the teams there, were very, very effective at what they did, but they didn't have, I would call it the imagination gap. There, there, there was a lack in imagination between a problem and a solution. Uh, they weren't able to, to make the jump between those two things. I'd, I'd, like, is that something you've experienced, Ben, of, uh, like, just having that role reversal where you're not just on your task, you're trying to invent new things or you're trying to solve different types of problems? Yeah. In, like, in a program I attended before, it's more like doing the same thing, you know. All the projects are, like, just repetition, you know, for my supervisor. For Sinopac, you know, the, the largest oil company in China, mm -hmm. he has done, like, the modification for 38... Uh, delayed cokers of uh, Sinopac. So it's like, it's just a rep repetition for him. But he can make a lot of money, you know. <laughs> yeah. But like the improvement, you need like creation, right? You need to, sometimes you need to throw crazy ideas 
on your students or like on yourself. Just try that, right? Yeah, and in the little chat we had beforehand, you <clears throat> mentioned that the best piece of advice almost is that you can't just say no to an idea because you don't think it's going to work. <clears throat> Pardon me. You have to actually try it. So I was curious when I read that, what is the craziest thing you've tried as a solution to a problem since you've been at Western? Um, I got a tank for, for liquid injection. So there's a, the hole at the bottom. And I use a high pressure, like um, 100 PSIG. So to press the water down, uh, downwards. But I don't want the gas. Like when the water is gone, there will be gas going down, right? But I don't want that. I don't want to be like immediately like the hole to be shut down. So uh, I wasn't thinking about the idea, but like my supervisor uh, said to me, like, why don't we try a squash ball? You know, squash ball. So I bought the squash ball from uh, Sportcheck. <laughs> okay. I thought it's like squash crazy, ball. but, you know, I have to try that. Because I, I don't know what the results will be. How can I say it's not going to work, right? So I tried that, and it didn't work. But <laughs> <laughs> at least I know that it will not work. At least we can now definitively say that yeah. a squash ball is not the answer to that problem. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I guess my whole thing is, like, your transition between being the, the grad student in China to the grad student at Western... How has that affected not just your personal life and your research potential, but, like, what does it do to your future? Like, where do you see yourself going from here? Mm, that depends because I've been writing a lot. so Yeah, that's actually something – that's actually how I met you is through your writing. And yeah. I found it – for somebody that didn't speak the language firsthand, I found it very poetic uh, in a way that I hadn't seen before in a lot of other people. Yeah, kind of like I got the influence from my father. Okay. So he likes uh, history or literature or something. And um, so it's kind of like um, like the choice between engineer and uh, be a writer. But I'm not sure I'm good enough for that. So we'll see what I can do in the future. I'm still young. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Are these like, are these like poems about coking? <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> Out of one, many different. Hey. Reduce the coke. Ooh. I like it. I don't know. Get rid of the black. Little jazzy, black. little jazzy yeah, to it. Yeah, okay, I'm right. okay to that. Snapping a little. Okay. You take out the black, stay in the black. <laughs> That's dark, dude. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like my whole thing is like the transition from the Chinese culture to the Canadian culture, I find that a very interesting aspect of your research. And, like, you know, you make the decision from going from using this old type of technology that's been done hundreds and hundreds of times, many iterations of the same kinds of things, to saying, you know what, I'm going to go across the ocean to this small university here in this quiet little town we call London and, uh, you know, just see you know this new type of technology and how it's being applied and like i guess i'm really interested in how you're making that jump i i'd really be interested for you to share that with me i mean like what it takes what what it takes to do that kind of what 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 kind of decisions were you making um it's a long story i've always wanted to go abroad to study like maybe this i've applied for university in the states and also in canada so it's like I want to, because I've been reading English, so I like the like English culture, like literature, philosophy, or something. And since I, you know, like I'm a 
engineering student, so I also want to like study something like that is more on the front line, you know, uh, like the project from ExxonMobil, you know, they're doing kind of they they are the biggest oil company in the world. They're doing like the wonderful job, you know. So it's a perfect choice, actually. It's in comparison to what I've been doing in China, right? So, what kinds of things have you experienced that you、uh, hadn't got in China, aside from like you know this creativity gap?、Um, like, what other kinds of things have you really enjoyed about your time here?、Mm, I would say freedom. Freedom. In what sense? Because, you know, to be honest, like Chinese people are a little bit more judgmental. Okay. So, like when they judge you, it's kind of like.、Um, Uh, prohibition for your behavior, right? If you want to do something that is seems like、um, imaginary or crazy, you know, maybe I won't do that in China. But here, who cares? Like you just do your own thing, right? So maybe the <coughs> pardon me, the poetry wouldn't fly so much at home, eh? <laughs>、um, and I'm I'm just curious, where do you where do you want to go with with your research? What are you hoping for in the future? Like where where are you going to go from here? From here, I, I think I would like focus on flute cooking and see what we can get from how to the the main purpose is to like get more gasoline and diesel.、Mm-hmm. That's the main purpose. So I invest、uh, investigate more to see what I can get from my research now because I've just been started like、uh, I've just started、uh, my formal experiments after like six seven months of trial and error. So it's like I didn't get formal results, so I cannot like say too much about that. But、mm-hmm. I hope it's going; it will be good, you know.、Mm-hmm. So now, just、uh, for all those of us that aren't engineers, because John, I'm sure you know what that means. But when you say the difference between trial and error and formal、mm-hmm. experimentation,、mm-hmm. just what big difference? Big、yeah. difference. Yeah, like at the beginning, you have to do modification, adjustment to or like、um, equipment,、mm-hmm. like. Uh, what pressure? What temperature are you gonna use?、Mm. Something, right? Yeah, because always on paper it's like, oh, it works, it's perfectly fine. You're like, okay, cool, let's build the thing.、And、then you build it, and then suddenly you got, you know, valves are exploding. You know, you didn't depend on, you know, you had these seals that are just cracking and things like that. You、mm. know, and you gotta learn. I don't know about yourself, like for us, we have to learn how to do all of that ourselves. So at this point, I'm fairly confident in plumbing a house. Like I, I could do that fairly confidently,、um, but you know, you just never learn those things in school. It's just you know, you have a problem. They're not going to pay money to fix it, so you're the guy that has to fix it. So you know, it's this huge kind of challenge in all kinds of different ways. And then suddenly, you start generating something that is actually you know, it's working. Okay, cool. Now let's start, right? And so that's where the formal results start coming in. Yep,、yeah, that's true.、Hmm. All right, everybody. I think we've had a really good run. Sounds like、uh, we got our next show lining up to come on in. So thank you very much, Ben, for coming to talk to us. Thanks thank a lot, Ben. And、um, this is gra- you've been listening to Gradcast on CHRW nine four point nine. And、uh, check us out. We actually run a podcast every week on our off weeks, and that's all at gradcastradio.ca. And of course, one little personal note: this was Joe's last show tonight, and I want everyone in London to wish him well as、oh, he、uh, moves on to bigger and better things. Oh, thank、yeah. you so much. Best、thank、of luck.、So、I have to. I'm just going to say goodbye first because I don't want to start crying on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe, London. That's all for this week. If you want to send us some feedback, or if you want to come on the show yourself, email us at gradcastradio@gmail.com. Be sure to hook us up on social media. 
on Twitter. We're at Gradcast Radio, and look up Gradcast Radio also on Facebook. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, the podcast is located at gradcast.podbean.com, and it's on iTunes. And while you're there, why don't you leave us a review? It really helps us out. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>